Welcome to Fresh Perspective, a podcast presented by Recycling Today. Fresh Perspective features young professionals in the scrap and recycling industry, offering insights from the next generation of industry leaders. Guests share their stories of what led them to the scrap industry and new ideas on industry trends. Tune in here stories from scrap processors, traders, operators, and more who are starting to lead in this space. Fresh Perspective is beginning an ongoing dialogue with future executives of the industry. Hi, my name is Megan Smalley and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Josh Gensick, who is the Raw Materials Purchasing Manager at Audubon Metals, which is based in Henderson, Kentucky. Audubon Metals is a heavy media separator and secondary specification aluminum alloy producer. The company processes more than half a billion pounds of non-ferrous scrap metals per year. Thanks for coming on the show today, Josh. How's it going? Thank you, Megan. Appreciate you having me on the uh, podcast. And just real quickly, I also want to thank Colin Denahan at uh, Metal Source for the referral. Happy to be here. Awesome. So to start things off, how did you get into the recycling industry and what were you doing before coming into the industry? So just a quick backstory. Uh, before I got actually into the industry, uh, my future father-in-law at the time, uh, he introduced me to scrap business around 15 years ago. Uh, and at that time, he had been with Audubon Metals for about 10 years. And uh, long story short, one day he decided, me to take, decided to take me into the plant, give me a tour, just show me what he did for a living. During the tour, I just remember being completely blown away by the huge piles of scrap, uh, the heavy equipment and machinery everywhere, and just the recycling process in general. You know, seeing what a pile of what looked to me at the time like, like junk basically turned into uh, how it turned into multiple finished products that would end up being reused. So it was amazing and something that I'd never seen up close before. Actually, I was still in school at the time, and you know, he by no means was trying to persuade me into getting into the business. And I had no intention of joining the business one day, but uh, still was something that, that really intrigued me from that point on. And uh, so how I got into the business, it's a little backstory. Uh, I grew up in a furniture store, which was you know, really our family business. And, and that's pretty much what I knew growing up. Didn't know much else other than that and baseball and school. So uh, after graduating from college, I had a business management degree and an HR concentration. I went to work for, uh, you know, one of my father's store locations as a store manager. It was just kind of always in the plan and, and what I assumed my, my destiny was at the time was to work there and take the uh, family business over one day and uh, very quickly realized that that's not really what I wanted to do forever and, and left, didn't have much of a plan. I did some temporary uh, construction work to pay the bills as I, as I figured things out. Uh, during the transition, I was applying for other jobs locally in Evansville, Indiana, uh, area where I'm from and didn't have much luck. I was looking for HR-related jobs, any type of business-related job. Just wasn't getting a lot of hits. And, you know, while I was searching for work, I was thinking about my interest in scrap uh, that my father-in-law gave me many years ago. And, and uh, I asked him if he could pass on my resume to anyone he knew in the business that looking for a hungry, recent college graduate uh, that they could mold and train. Within a few weeks, I, I received a call from Mark Kolb, who owns Quantum Metals in Lebanon, Ohio. Uh, he took me in, which, you know, to this day, I'm still very grateful for, took a chance on me, and I took a chance personally, packed up everything I had, which, which all fit in the back of a uh, Ford F-150, uh, moved very quickly within a couple of weeks to an apartment in Lebanon, Ohio, uh, and immediately went to work in the plant with his maintenance team. Uh, his philosophy was that I needed to start, I needed to understand the operations from the ground up if I wanted to be successful in the business, and 
to this day, I attribute a lot of my growth and success to my start and training I received there. So what was the learning curve like entering the scrap industry from not really knowing much about it except for one tour? So in reality, it was all a learning curve for me. I really knew nothing about the business other than just a, a brief tour, uh, like you had mentioned. Um, but you know, it was exciting, and I'm still I'm still learning to this day. I'd say as long as you're in the business, there's a learning curve of some sort. So tell me, what do you do for fun outside of the recycling industry? So my wife and I, uh, we have three boys. They're aged five, three, and one. And um, you know, really, we just love the excitement and craziness of of raising them and just watching them grow every day. Kind of seems like there's something new that happens every day. Pretty exciting. Uh, so that's really our number one, and, and they're keeping us on our toes for sure. Uh, our oldest, Harrison, he's in sports now. Uh, as of last year, you know, he's, he's already played baseball, hockey, soccer. Uh, now he's in a basketball camp. So it's a lot of fun watching him. I've been able to coach him, which is something uh, that's close to me. I've played sports my entire life growing up. Uh, so just love, love watching them grow and progress there. Uh, and the other two aren't far behind, so we got a lot to look forward to. Um, we also live near a lot of family and as many many of our close friends. So we're very fortunate to be able to spend a lot of time with them. And you know, it just doesn't seem like there's a weekend that goes by we don't get together for a, a cookout, which really keeps us all close. And we love that. And I like to cook a lot too, so that's an added bonus. So other than that, uh, I do love to golf and and been playing most Sundays throughout the season. I've got the same uh, foursome that we play in every Sunday and uh, still trying to break 90. So that's what I like to do. Well, good luck with the golf goal there. So shifting gears back to the scrap industry, what is your day-to-day -day job currently like for Audubon Metals? And how did you end up at Audubon Metals since you mentioned a little bit about quantum and how you ended up there? So how did you end up at Audubon Metals? And then what is your position like currently? So currently, uh, you know, we're, we're a very... We're a very lean organization. Uh, we, we wear many hats here, but uh, my number one job specifically at Audubon is raw material procurement uh, and a lot of it. So there's a, uh, there's a constant monitoring of position and flow to ensure proper inventory levels and support our sales and production plans, which can change throughout the month, whether up or down. Uh, so we're always adjusting and, and just watching inventory levels, watching flow. And uh, you know, with some of the issues we're facing today in regards to the trucking availability, uh, it's a big issue right now, and it's it's become even more of a focus watching our inventory levels. Uh, it's not really a problem of buying metal. It's more of a problem of getting it here, uh, which is something kind of new and, and interesting. It's This happens, you know, from time to time, but this has been a few months now, and the problem doesn't seem to be going away. We're also monitoring the markets every day, uh, especially the key indicators uh, that affect our raw material costs. Uh, so we can make good decisions daily, but we also try to gauge or uh, predict the future, as we like to call it, or some people call it forecasting, you know, based off the information that, that we have available to us today. So uh, that's become increasingly difficult and more time consuming, too, just given how quickly the markets can change uh, anymore. It's, there's not a lot of stability. Uh, a lot of things are changing and moving and COVID and, you know, this issue, that issue. So, you know, it's something that we spend a lot of time on right now. And uh, aside from that, we're, we're very fortunate to have a, a loyal supply base and a lot of great relationships that we work hard to maintain. So, you know, we stay uh, very close with our suppliers. We try to visit them you know, when we can. It's a big focus of ours. Obviously, over the last year with COVID hitting, we haven't uh, really been able to see anybody for the last year. Uh, but now that things are starting to open up again, we're excited to get back out and reconnect face-to-face. -face. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about Audubon Metals and the company culture. 
what is the culture like there? And then also, are there any new projects going on at the company that you're able to talk about? Yeah, so Audubon started in uh, 1996 and is a wholly owned subsidiary of Cook Enterprises, uh, KEI, which is a family company based in, uh, family owned company based in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, they've been in business here locally since 1873 and uh, today own multiple different companies within this local kind of tri state area. Uh, Audubon Metals specifically is a uh, metal separation company and secondary smelter all under one roof. Uh, our focus is providing innovative uh, separation and refinement solutions to our customers. Our primary raw material feedstock is Zorba, which uh, consists mostly of grades of shredded aluminum that derives from shredder yards throughout the U.S. Uh, we process and separate this Zorba through a wet, heavy media process in which the aluminum can either be sold as a high-quality twitch, uh, which we can actually further process into more specific grades based on customer needs, or we can melt it in our own furnaces and alloy it back into specification die-casting alloys. It's primarily what we do. In terms of culture, Audubon has a safety-first mentality. Every meeting that we have starts off with a safety message, which is followed by quality and then environmental. Every meeting that we have, that's how it starts. Uh, and it's not just a saying for us. It, it really is a priority here, uh, keeping our people safe. Uh, so that's great. Um, Audubon is also very entrepreneurial in nature. And by this, I mean the managers of each department are really given a lot of freedom to run their own business. If you treat it like you own it, you hit your goals, you exceed your goals and, and other kind of measured deliverables that we have here, uh, you're pretty well left alone. And, and I really like that about Audubon. They, they let you manage your business here. Uh, as far as projects, uh, we have a, a really exciting, uh, pretty sizable one going on right now uh, as Audubon continues to grow. We're very close to commissioning our new plant, which is located in Corsicana, Texas. And this plant will be similar to our existing one in Henderson, Kentucky, which will be processing Zorba, selling Twitch and other items, and also producing specification uh, aluminum alloys. So we're really looking forward to, to building some new relationships down south, um, building on the ones that we currently have and supporting those new markets. So what are some challenges that you've faced in your career that you're able to talk about and how have you overcome those? Well, it's interesting because I, I joined the business uh, back in 2008. And we all know what happened in 2008, uh, you, know, you know, a few months into it, the uh, financial markets crashed. Uh, I had at the time with Quantum just moved into the office uh, as my first kind of official role as transportation manager at that point. Uh, and I sat right in the middle of all the upper management offices. So I got to hear a lot of conversations and um, you know, I got to listen in on many of the, the strategic discussions that were going on on how to navigate the crisis. How do you cut costs? How do you run more efficiently? How do you utilize your personnel in different ways as long as possible to prevent layoffs? So even though the situation was pretty ugly at the start, a little nerve wracking for me too, because I, I had just moved, uh, packed up everything I had, uh, but it was a great learning experience for me, especially ha having happened so early in my career. And, you know, just like most of us in the business, I've had to learn to navigate through some pretty extreme market uh, conditions and market swings, which, you know, really were all caused by you know, different conditions, various conditions. You know, in our circumstance specifically, you know, you have China that was buying everything in sight at times to you know, virtually nothing at times, which changed the game for us, uh, you know, month to month or week to week. You got container availability issues that are going on now. You had COVID shutdowns, chip shortages. You know, those are just some recent things uh, that have happened, obviously. You know, this, this has created, created some very high highs and really low lows in the market. Uh, and, and again, they, they happen very quickly. 
uh, month to month, week to week. And, uh, you know, it can put your position at risk if you're not careful. So uh, it's almost become the norm anymore. Not a lot of stability. Just one of the reasons that this business is actually exciting to me because uh, it's not the same thing uh, every day, every week, uh, but also creates a lot of challenges to overcome along the way. Uh, and I would say the latest uh, challenge for us all in this industry is the trucking side of things. Uh, the transportation industry, it, we've all known for many years, Isri's talked about it. There's, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, meetings regarding the driver shortage that was, you know, imminent uh, in the next couple of years. But this has really been amplified through the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, every trucking company that we talk to is, has equipment that's just sitting due to lack of drivers. And uh, they're also struggling to retain their current drivers. Uh, costs are increasing, it's putting a strain on the supply chain for all of us. And uh, unfortunately, I don't see this issue resolving itself anytime soon. So the industry needs to find a way to, uh, or new ways to recruit more drivers. Um, because, you know, as the saying goes, if you bought it, the truck brought it. So those are some of the, the big issues facing us today. Now, we kind of already touched on this, but are there any other major issues that you see impacting the industry today? And why would you say that is, like you mentioned, trucking and transportation. Is there anything you would add on how that affects Audubon Metal? One of the other issues I think is hiring people. And again, another issue that was brought on, I think heavily by the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, it's hard to find people. It, it's hard to hire good people, hard to retain people. You know, it's just something that everybody's struggling with right now. Again, almost everybody that we talk to is, is trying to fill a position. Uh, and they're just, they're struggling to find people, especially on the labor, labor side of things. So that's probably, if I had to pick another one, uh, one of the bigger in, issues that's impacting our business today. Can you think of any potential solutions on navigating the hiring and retention issue? I, I think it's kind of a the million dollar question today. Some of the things that we're doing is, is we're having job fairs. We're trying to get out to the local colleges, you know, get the word out, uh, get the Audubon name out. We're offering incentives, I believe. If you can uh, refer somebody and they stay. So, um, again, it's something that everybody's dealing with. I don't know if there's a great answer. Uh, some will say that the, uh, the stimulus checks that are being sent out are, are kind of preventing people from getting back into the workforce in some cases. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think we're in a unique situation right now and I think it'll get better uh, as time goes on, but something that's, that's impacting us pretty heavily today. Now, are there any new technologies that you're hoping the scrap industry might embrace more? What's, what have you seen that's been really helpful or could be helpful down, down the line? So I've seen a lot of different technology throughout the years. Um, there's a lot of really great technology available for, for different recycling tasks. And I think that that technology uh, is coming leaps and bounds. It, it's improving, you know, every year. Uh, so it's hard to really pinpoint anything too specific. Um, but I would like to see in our business specifically, and this will affect a lot, a lot of others in the recycling industry, especially shredders, automotive shredders, is better fluff processing technology. And I'm talking about the stuff that's left after you've processed it and tried to get all the metals out. There's still some left. You know, maybe this material could be converted into a fuel somehow if somebody could figure that out a uh, cost-effective way. But, you know, currently most producers of this uh, are having to get rid of it uh, and pay, pay to get rid of it. And it's going into a landfill. So I think that there are, there are people out there trying to figure this out now and some tests being done. Again, how you convert it to a fuel or something useful that's environment, environmentally friendly, but I would like to see that technology 
uh, improve. It, it would solve a lot of our a lot of our issues. Also, would like to see continued improvement in mixed alloy sortation technology. There's there's already equipment out there now, and some of it does a, a really good job. And I'm talking about mixed scrap packages that may have different alloys in it. Maybe they're different aluminum alloys, or you know, maybe it's a combination of copper, brass, zinc, or you know whatever. But you know, to improve that sortation technology to make segregated packages. Uh, would keep a lot more material here in the U.S. Uh, as you can make more mill grade uh, type specs, uh, prevent it from going overseas. But uh, currently, it's it again, it works to some degree. It's a little bit slow, sometimes hard to justify, but I think it's improving and would like to see continued efforts there. So where do you see the industry heading in the next couple of years? And also, what are your goals for the next couple of years in the industry? So I wish I knew exactly, uh, but one thing seems pretty certain is the push to build more EVs or electronic vehicles, um, which isn't going to happen overnight. I still believe there's a lot of challenges to overcome uh, in that area, such as what is the actual consumer demand for EVs, the battery longevity issue, uh, infrastructure to support charging stations. Still seem to be a lot of questions just regarding what are the actual CO2 emission savings uh, when all these vehicles that are you know, battery powered need to be plugged in at some point in time. and uh, it creates an additional load on the power plants, which I think many are still using coal. Uh, and one big issue for the recycling industry, I've, I've heard at many of the meetings, is how are these battle, how are these batteries going to be recycled when they get to the yard? Are they going to be pulled out? Is there a good recycling process for these batteries? I think that uh, you know the industry is still trying to to work that out, figure that out, as it seems pretty imminent that they're that they're coming. So, so a lot of questions I think we all have. Um, and I think it's probably more like a 10 to 20 year uh, issue down the road. But again, I, I think with the government push and possible subsidies there, you know, it, it could, it could uh, arrive a lot quicker. So as a final question, what are some lessons that you've learned in your career? And also, can you talk about any successes that you've had in the scrap industry? Yeah. So at this point in my life and career, uh, I really consider continued growth as the success. Uh, there comes a point where you think you've seen it all, uh, something else something else pops up and kind of surprises you. I've been in the business 13 years. Know many that have been in the business 40 to 50 years, uh, I've seen a lot more than I have. But you know, just being able to adapt quickly through experience uh, has has been a success. Things do change. Things can just hit you out of nowhere and just kind of knowing which direction to take uh, and how to adapt, I, I think uh, has been a success, you know, through my experience. You know, a lot of my experiences come from, you know, learning from the, some of the failures that I've had, and, and I consider learning from failures, uh, not repeating them a, a success. You know, I was really fortunate to have gained a, a lot of experience in a lot of different areas in the scrap metal business. I started working inside a plant, moved to a traffic manager position. I lived in multiple different states, uh, took a new position with David Joseph Company under River Metals Recycling, uh, one of their LLCs as a management trainee, where I learned the steel side of the business. I learned how to run a shredder, how to run a crane, uh, how to purchase and inspect ferrous and non-ferrous scrap. With my first official role, uh, managing a non-ferrous warehouse at their Texas port location in, in Houston, Texas. Uh, so all that to what I'm doing today on the commercial side with Audubon, which is procuring hundreds of millions of pounds of raw material a year with our team here. Uh, and all of these experiences with great companies really helped set me up for success in this business. You know, without the knowledge I gained along the way, I, I really don't believe I'd be nearly as prepared for the role I'm in today. 
and you know, also I've had, I've had, and I still have you know, great mentors. I've been really lucky uh, to have the chance to learn from some of the best in the business and be guided by them along the way. And, you know, some of those lessons I've learned that really stick with me uh, from different people are never forget the three C's, uh, consistency, communication, and convenience. Uh, your customers don't care about your problems. Figure it out. No excuses. Find a solution. Customers don't care about your problems. Uh, and anything can be done. It, it just depends on how hard you want to work and how much money do you want to spend. Definitely good advice there. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Josh. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.